Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Proverbs 27, 5 to 6, 9 to 10, and 17. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Father, we do uh, come before you uh, in, in humility, knowing that you are a God who is sovereign and in control. And with everything that's going on in the world and in our city, and some of us are fearful, fearful some of us are uh, concerned, some of us are worried about our health. But Lord, we do pray that as we come before your word, we'll find comfort and find peace uh, and, find, and find courage as well, knowing that you're the God who is in control and you're the God who speaks to us as well. So we do pray uh, as we sit under it that you will speak to us, that your spirit will convict our hearts of any uh, sin that might be there and, and move our hearts to want to wanna live for you and want to honor you in our lives. We do pray for that now in your son's name. Amen. I came across a story uh, that happened last year. It was in May 2021. Uh, of a guy called Drew who was walking through Central Park in New York. And he was going through the park and he overheard a group of friends bad-mouthing another friend called Marissa. And they were, he was hearing them talk about them organizing a party and purposefully choosing a date where Marissa couldn't go. And so he felt really bad for this girl called Marissa. He didn't know her, didn't know anything about it, just eavesdropped and heard this conversation. So he got onto his TikTok. And he made this video, he said, if you're Marissa living in New York, your friends are intentionally organizing a party without you. They're intentionally excluding you from this party. Now, this TikTok video went viral a bit and people all over New York were finding out, we're gonna find this Marissa. And they did, eventually Marissa got this video multiple times from friends, even from relatives saying, is this you, is this the Marissa that this guy is talking about? Uh, And she realized how, how crappy her friends really were. This led to a movement. She started an Instagram account called No More Lonely Friends. This happened last year, just last year. Uh, and she did a call out, an open invite to whoever, uh, whoever has been in the same situation as her, realized that they had, don't have really great friends, uh, and did a call out to organize a meetup, a safe space without judgment for people to make new friends, knowing how hard it is to make genuine friends. You know what? She had 160 people rock up to this first meeting. 160 people came to this picnic in the park. Now, this is, this is how the movement No More Lonely Friends began. I went to the website, and on the About page, it says this, No More Lonely Friends hold social picnics around the country, so it's evolved now to around the country, soon to be worldwide, that encourages anyone involved to foster friendships that lift them up rather than tear them down. Her Instagram account now has over 50,000 followers. Now, isn't that interesting? I, I find that, wow, you know, that, that's... That's cool. And she's got this, uh, this, this, this vision for people who are in the same boat as her. And, and it's amazing how many people are in the same boat as her. She identifies this need from her own negative experience of feeling lonely and rejected and excluded and starts a movement reaching people who feel the same way. Now, this isn't just happening in New York, is it? I mean, loneliness isn't just happening in New York. 
uh, I think this is a worldwide issue. In Australia, our health and welfare reports that one in three Australians report being lonely and socially isolated. In the UK, it's an epidemic where uh, they've appointed a minister of loneliness to oversee and tackle it. I read an article last week uh, in just in, in the men's health website about the truth of men and loneliness. It was really sad. Men, as they grow older, find it harder and harder to have good, genuine male friends that they can turn to and be raw and vulnerable with. Uh, the older we get as men, I'm spe specifically talking about men, uh, the more your friend circles shrink, and too often we think and rely that our, uh, our spouse will be our only support. When that can't be the case, it's not actually helpful to be the only friend. And women, I'm sure, have, you know, have a similar story. Women are better at making connections, I reckon. But what does this all tell us? There's a problem in the world. We need a cure to loneliness. We need support. We need friends. And today I want us to ask, how do we have, how do we invest in good, wise, and better friendships? How will the wisdom of Proverbs impact the way we do friendship in this life? So loneliness doesn't have to be our story too, especially as we grow older in the adult stage of life. Now, now, for years, I've been wanting to, to preach on this topic at church, okay? Uh, it's a growing issue in churches, I think, uh, and amongst Christians. Uh, plus, I've got a lot to say about this topic. You know, I'm not going to boast. I do have some friends, and, you know, and I've do, got, I've, I do have a bit of experience in this department. Uh, who would have guessed? Mikey has friends. But today, I want us to see how God uh, blesses us with friendship, right? And how he, we can through the gospel, seek after and invest in wise friendships in this life. Before I go on, the first thing I want to say is this. Go on the screen. First thing I want to say is friendship is often devalued in our culture. I, I think the church, as the church, we need to talk about uh, the value and goodness of friendship. The Bible has so much to say about it. But what do we talk about? What do we hear about more in churches? We actually hear a lot about marriage instead, the r romantic relationships, as if marriage, that's the ultimate relationship to be pursued. And I get that's important for, for many people, uh, some people, but friendship is important for everyone. And perhaps we uh, haven't recognized it, but perhaps the culture around us has influenced the church. It, it's dictated how we should think. You know, romantic love pervades our culture. You know, romantic comedies, it's the gossip trashy magazines, the, the reality TV shows, Love Island, Singles Inferno is a new one, Bachelor. Why isn't there reality TV shows about finding friends? Would you watch that? I probably wouldn't, but it's, it doesn't sell, does it? And sadly, Christians, we've, we've, we've put all our uh, emphasis on marriage. We put marriage on a pedestal, but we're not thinking about friendships, even though friendship is, is talked about in the Bible. And while you might want to say to me, Michael, well, my husband or my wife is my best friend. That's enough. She's all I need. He's all I need. They can't be your only friend. Let's be honest. Who do you go to when your marriage is on Struggle Street? You talk to a friend. Uh, yes, we care so much about community and being welcomed in this church. Yes, uh, it's a big deal here. But the idea of deep, lasting, strong friendships, that's often devalued. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he's the author of Narnia. I've talked about him, quoted him before. But he has this essay on friendship and in his book, um, The Four Loves. He says, friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art, like the universe itself. It has no survival value. You can survive without friendship. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. Now, I find that really interesting. We all need to be honest with our humanity. We need, as humans, friends, friends, friendships. It gives value to our lives. God created it that way. He wise it into our hearts that men and women need good friends. And so the Proverbs, these ancient wise words, speak into that. 
The second thing I want us to, to recognize, though, before we keep going, is we are who our friends are. Now, I don't know if you realize this. Uh, uh, the Mikey you know today, for example, me, knowing me, uh, I am because of the people around me. I am who I am because of the people around me. I, I'm my childhood friends. I'm my mother and my father and my five sisters. I'm even my ex-girlfriends from high school. I'm my work colleagues. I'm my church friends. Uh, before uh, we look at what makes good and wise friendships, let's understand that who we are today is made up of our experiences, our relationships, and our friendships. We're molded by them. We can't underestimate the influence of friendships around us. Now, isn't that true? Can't you, can't you think about, uh, take a moment to think about this, like who are the people in your life that has molded you to be who you are, who has influenced you so much? Uh, my childhood friends, who I still see often, their names are, are Mark and Anthony, and they don't go to church, so I'm going to talk about them. Now, they, they, they do know I'm going to mention them today. I still see them a few, year, uh, few times a year, sorry, and, and I love them dearly. I've known them for over 30 years now. We met when we were four years old. We couldn't be any different to each other, right? Uh, but when we were kids, we all loved the same things. We grew up doing the same things. Uh, we were influencing each other. We, we, this is, it's a bit nerdy to tell you this, but we loved X-Men and, and comic books, X-Men comic books. We even had these collector cards. I have, if you come over, I can show you it. I'm really, you know, I always get excited showing people this. But they're from 1994, the collector cards, the X-Men collector cards. And we used to collect them and trade, you know, when we had double ups, we'd trade them. We used to skateboard together. We influenced each other so much, we became like one another. You know, our parents would nickname us the three amigos, the three, the three musketeers. We were nicknamed by our parents. But then in high school, I had different friends, and they encouraged me to, to do other things. We, with, I wanted to fit in with my high school friends, so uh, they encouraged me to, to smoke and be violent when I'm angry and do things I definitely shouldn't have done. Looking back, it was like, it was like Mean Girls. Like that was my life in high school. Me, mean Girls is a movie, if you don't know. Um, we are who our friends are. And the Bible talks about it this way. Even Proverbs mentions this. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise <coughs> and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 22 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself instead. We'll become wise if we spend time with the wise. If we're always around angry people, often we become angry people too. Like, like a child that sponges, right? We absorb everything around us and we replicate, thinking it's normal. That's what we do we, when we walk with the, but we, it, Proverbs tells us to walk with the wise, not the foolish. Now, this isn't saying you should only, uh, you should ditch your friends if they're not smart. It's not about high IQ and low IQ. This is, you know, smart people do foolish things too. But it's giving a general principle in life. If you're surrounded by people making foolish, destructive decisions in life, well, it's likely that you're going to go down that same path as well. It's a general principle. That's all the Proverbs are, general wisdom principles. We are who our friends are, which means you have to ask yourself, what friends are you surrounding yourself with? Are they growing you to be more wise or more foolish? And I mention this because I know in the church how hard it is to maintain friendships, both within the church and outside the church. Uh, I, you know, I, I always want to recommend to have a balance of both, but I know it's difficult. The older we get, the more time poor we are. It's hard. But I do want to be honest, I, if you're only friends with people who don't believe in Jesus, if your only friends are people outside of the church, it's very easy to get influenced by them. And it's so subtle, it's a slow drift. You know, you want to blend in, you want to be accepted amongst friends, and we slowly compromise our faith. 
if that is you, I do want you to be aware of that. Who is influencing you? Who are you surrounding yourself with? We are who our friends are. And if you want Jesus and his priorities and love and obedience to Jesus to be paramount in your life, then you really do need to consider that question. Who are you spending time with in your week? Who are you uh, influenced by? It's easy to get ensnared, as, the, as Proverbs tells us. So now I've got those two things out of the way. What does Proverbs say then about what a wise and good friendship looks like? Good and wise friendships, I think it looks like one, it looks like honesty. Speaking truth in love, right? This is verse 5 from our chapter that we read earlier. It says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A friend is someone who is willing to speak truth in love to you. Someone who's able to confront you and, know, uh, and you know they're, they're calling you out because they love you and they don't want to see you get hurt. It might hurt, but they don't want to see you get hurt more, so it's better that they tell you. And, and so when it says wounds from a friend can be trusted, it's saying that even if you might feel hurt by your friend, you can see that their words are to build you up, not to tear you down. They're trustworthy. Honest words that exist because they love you. I often hear how people, don't, they, people tell me, that oh, I don't want to tell someone this because I, don't, I really don't want to hurt them. But who else is going to tell them if it's not you? Do you want them to find out another way? Uh, it's, 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 it's worth saying something than nothing at all, isn't it? Having them find out and have that on your conscience, that you knew about it this whole time and you didn't say anything? You know, when we do that, when we think like that, when we think, oh, I don't want to hurt them, uh, who actually matters more in that scenario? Is it you or them? You don't want to feel awkward. You don't want to be in that position. So you care more about yourself than your friend in those moments, don't you think? I know that some of us don't like conflict and confrontation. I get that. You'd rather not bring it up. But we need to consider, what does love look like? We say, I love that person so much that to tell them the truth, but you know what? Telling them truth is love. A good, wise friend is honest. He doesn't gossip behind your back. Brings the truth to you because they love you. Yes, it might wound your pride, but it's not, to har- it's not there to harm you. It's there to heal you. I've, uh, I, again, I've got a lot of anecdotes about my own personal life and friends. I've got two friends that are pastors as well. One is in Melbourne and one is in Brisbane. And, and I've had conf- like they've had to confront me. A few years back, they arranged a meet-up with me to confront me about my sin. It was really hard. I didn't know it was coming. They blindsided me even. I felt really hurt. Uh, and and, and, and they, they, they called out my sin. They could see it, and I couldn't. I didn't think it was such a big deal. They sat me down, they shared with, how, shared with me how serious it was. Their words were gentle, but I, I personally felt the shame of my actions. Honestly, I didn't want to talk to them for months. And during those months, I had to process what happened. They were right. They were trying to look out for my very soul. And it took so much of my heart to reconcile with them, to, to even apologize to them because of the way I reacted out of hurt. We need friends, though, like that, who are going to speak truth, to be honest, in love. Do you have true friends like that, that they'll say the hard things to you? That they, they won't let you be self-destructive? Do you, know, do you have true friends that, that won't be just yes men or yes women, that will tell you that, they will tell you if you've got food in your mouth, <laughs> on your teeth, on your face? You know, because they don't want you to be embarrassed in public. I'm that guy, by the way. I'll, I'll always tell you if you have food in your teeth just because I don't want you to be feel embarrassed later. But that's, that's me because I've been in that position. My fly is always undone for some reason. No one ever tells me. <laughs> Why? 
Well, please tell me if you notice it and I haven't. Not because, not because I forget to tell you, it's because it just naturally goes down sometimes. Like, please, let me know so I can fix myself up. I don't want to be embarrassed later down the day. Friends would tell you the truth. It's trivial, like, this is trivial, but that's what, if you can speak out in the small things, you'll be able to speak out in the big things too. My friend is honest. But can I give you some wisdom on how, how you want to approach that level of honesty? When you do talk to your friend, and you need to be honest with them, talk to them in a way that's understanding. That's on the same level. It's so easy for us to feel shame from a friend who is calling you out, isn't it? So maybe the way you want to do it is to start with yourself. Share how you're not perfect. You've got sin. You're, you struggle. You make unwise decisions as well sometimes. Begin with encouraging them, maybe. Help them see that they're doing a, they're doing a great job, but in love. Be honest with them. Share with them. They, these are areas that they need to be aware of, that they might want to grow in. Areas that they might be hurting themselves and hurting the people around them as well. That's a friend. You don't need to be their psychologist. You don't need to be their counselor. But be a friend who's on that same level, who sits with them in the mess and walks with them and is honest with them. First thing. Second thing is trustworthy and dependable. Dependable and reliable. Verse 10. I've got a few verses here. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. Do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Proverbs 18 as well. It says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In Proverbs 17, this is a good one. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. What do all these verses tell us? A friend is something, is something that's so unique and special. They're, they're trustworthy, dependable, and reliable. Uh, looking at these friends, you know, uh, these verses, they're comparing friend to family. Now, this is interesting, right? Because ancient cultures, man, they put a big deal on families. You know, families, they were very family-oriented, communal. Uh, your brother or sister or your parent, you know, that, you put a lot of emphasis on that. Uh, and, and some of you have experienced this today, you know, that when you're in adversity, when disaster strikes, who's got your back? Your family does. They're always going to be there. Even if you're a mess, they're going to be there. They're going to they're help you. Run out of money, you've got to move back home. Your parents will go, okay, I'll let you come back home, right? That, your parents are there for you, generally, generally speaking, right? Now, now, while some of you might have great relationships with your family, they're not always the first people you'd call. Some of you might, but they're not always the first people you'd call when you want to go out to have a beer or catch a movie. You know, when I called my sister up and said, hey, I've got free tickets to a movie, you want to come with me? She was really weirded out by it. She's like, what? You want to take me out for a movie? You know, this is my sister Grace that you guys know. She's like, okay, okay, let's do it. You know, that, that was the response. That we, do, we don't naturally hang out with our siblings as friends. They're there for us, yes, but as friends. Uh, this is, uh, uh, friends are unique. But a good friend is someone who's reliable and dependable. Uh, uh, you know, and this is, these verses tell un unreliable friends bring you to ruin. When you have real friends, you know you're safe. Uh, it, it's so easy to think, you know, um, in our world today, we have, uh, if you're on social media, it, it's easy to think we have so many friends, right? So many friends comment on your, on your posts, on your pictures, captions, whatever. You have 500 friends, 1,000 friends, 2,000 friends on Facebook. But how many of them are really your friends? Sure, they'll say happy birthday on your birthday because they get reminders on Facebook. They'll comment if you share something vulnerable, saying, you, saying you're feeling lonely. And they say, oh, you got this, Mikey. My thoughts are with you. But how many of them are really, like, uh, most of them are just giving lip service, aren't they? You know, it's not about how many friends you have, it's about how many real quality friends you have. Like the Proverbs tell us, friends who know us, who, who, who are reliable, 
you know, when we know so many people, sometimes our friendship, we, 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 we define our friendship by a more of a shallowness. Uh, we know all these people and they comment on our photos and everything, but, and we think we have heaps of really good friends, but they're not, they're not there for you when you need them the most. We, when we spread ourselves so thinly, everyone knows a little bit about us, but they don't know us, they don't know our hearts. When you're struggling, who will you be able to call and be vulnerable with your struggles? If we don't have good close friends, we'll find ourselves more and more lonely. We need a friend that, like Proverbs says, sticks by us like a brother and loves you at all times. Now, uh, this doesn't mean a friend who's smothering you with love, but a friend who's there in all kinds of times, like when you're going really good and when you're not going really good. Being available, being accessible to one another, and friendship that goes two ways. So you might want to share about your struggles, but you also ask them how they're going in their life so you can walk with them. That's what dependable and reliability looks like. Now, this isn't codependency, not one where your very security and purpose and identity is, is formed by this other person. That's, that's very unhealthy and toxic, but it's a life-giving support and dependability. They don't want to see you go to ruin. They know you. They know you emotionally. They know when you're not good, and they will ask you, Mikey, you don't look very well today. What's going on in your heart? They know when you're grieving, and when you're grieving, they too will feel that, and they will sit with you and grieve with you and share tears with you and feel the pain and heartbreak you feel. That's a friend who's dependable, like a brother. This is uh, so, will, uh, so well illustrated in the, uh, in the film or story, Lord of the Rings. Who's seen Lord of the Rings or knows of Lord of the Rings? A lot of us, at, at least over half the room. Uh, it was based on a book by J.R.R. Tolkien, Tolkien the, the author. Uh, now, if you know the story, and I'm just going to assume you do, it's about Frodo who's on the dangerous mission to destroy the Ring of Power. Uh, and we know in the story, if you do know the story, there's all these heroes that go along with him, uh, Legolas and Aragorn, all these heroes that go along with him that are, that are great. And uh, as you watch the movie, it looks like it's all about these heroes. It's like the Avengers, you know, in a medieval sort of setting. But if you know the story, th th there's one person who doesn't get much of the limelight, yet is actually the greatest hero in the story. It's actually Frodo's friend. Samwise, Samwise Ganji. Uh, Tolkien, the author himself, according to him, he believed that Sam was the chief hero. He's, he was the chief hero because the mission to destroy the ring is, it was only successful because of his friendship. How he repeatedly saves Frodo from ruin and disaster, strong enough to resist and surrender the ring voluntarily. You know, you watch the movies and you don't think much of Sam. He's a bit of a wimp if you watch it. But actually, in the books and the way that Tolkien uh, saw Sam, the author himself, he actually believed Sam was the greatest hero of them all. That's how important friendship is. It's such a powerful picture, isn't it, of dependability and reliability. You know, the older we get, when you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s, you know, those types of friends are the ones that you'll be able to say, well, I've been friends with you for decades. You're still dependable. Someone I can pick up and call even if we're miles apart. Uh, the third thing I want to say about good and wise friendships so, is being able to grow and mature together. Your good friends grow together and counsel one another. Verse 9 said this, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. And verse 17 that we read as well, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Very popular verse that many of you guys might have heard. I think the third thing that we need to realize is friends grow one another. We grow together and we mature together. We need friends who will make us better men and women. As iron sharpens iron, we better each other. 
There's a reason why we should be wary of, again, I, you know, I talked about this before, codependency and toxic relationships. They don't make us better people. They bring us to ruin. There's this unhealthy level of dependence and attachment that feeds into the selfish desires of our hearts. The need to be someone else's savior, as if you're the only person who can rescue them. That, that exclusive, possessive nature that comes with those, that's not good, that's not growth. Growth looks like pointing each other, especially as Christians, towards Christ, walking side by side, not just, feeding each, not just feeding into each other's negative vibes, but liberating one another, sharpening one another, walking with one another, giving each other counsel, as verse 9 says, heartfelt advice. We seek guidance and are humble before each other's wisdom. We want to hear from them and accept that they, have, you know, that they have different experiences and that they know you as well in this, speaking truth to you honestly. Sit down with your friends. Try this. Sit down with your friends, the ones that you believe are honest and dependable, and ask them what are, what are the areas that they can see that you're being foolish and unwise in. Ask them for their opinion. Perhaps it's the way you spend money, the way you get anxious about things, perhaps the relationships that you're involved in with someone, you know, someone of the opposite sex, or even if, how you're using your time, how, what you're obsessing over. And if they say nothing, if they don't have any advice, if they're not saying any anything to you at all, they're, they're not a good friend. I'm going to be honest, they're not a good friend. Or they don't know you. Maybe they need time to think about it. But, you know, open those communication channels. So they, uh, <coughs> they know that you want to be sharpened and they want to uh, and, and really see what it looks like to, to grow together. Someone who's willing to give heart well, heartfelt advice, feedback. Do you have a friend who you can share your faith with? That's another question I, I have for you. Who you feel sharpened by and they feel sharpened by you? Uh, do you have a peer who is there for you? Mutual respect will pray for you and point you to Jesus. We'll ask you those questions uh, and make you think, how does the gospel speak to the situation? That's what growth will look like. How does gospel impact this decision you're about to make? Have you got friends asking you those questions? A good friend uh, wants to sharpen you and grow in Jesus and, for love, and to love others around you as well. Uh, I have friends I've known for years, and I feel like they haven't grown much at all sometimes. I don't know if you <coughs> have any friends like that, friends from high school. You're like, hey, you're the same person as you were in high school. You haven't grown up at all. And, and you, you love them because there's, there's this nostalgia. You can talk about high school times and all that. But then at the same time, you're like, but I've moved on in life, and you haven't. Uh, and there's no, there's, no, there's no growth. There's no maturity. Uh, but I, I hope that's not the case with our friends. I hope that you together, especially with your, your Christian friends as well, you, you'll be able to say, oh man, we're not the same people, are we, that we were from years back. I want to tell you about one of my BFFs, my, one of my, my best mates. His name is Iggy. And some of you guys know him. He's come here to preach before. Uh, when we first started as friends, we spent so much time together. Uh, this was like 17 years ago. We'd share common interests. We'd, we'd break dance together. We'd play videos together, uh, video games together. We'd watch movies, all that stuff. We shared a lot of common interests. Uh, even this last year during COVID, uh, we got into aquascaping together, like old man hobbies, you know, fish tanks and stuff. We influence each other. 100% we're not the same people we were 17 years ago when we first met. And while we share interests, we also meet to share life together. Uh, we, we, we served our church together back in the day. We encouraged each other. We challenged each other to grow. And we pray together as well, like iron sharpens iron. Who is your friend that you're growing with? Who can speak into your life and you can speak into theirs as well? Where you humbly respect each other and you're doing life together around Jesus on that deeper, intimate, vulnerable, transparent level. 
A true wise friend is someone who is honest, someone who is dependable, reliable, and someone who you can grow with. Now, I know, after saying all that, I understand that can be hard to come by. Honestly, Proverbs is giving us the ideal friend, the friend that we all want. You know, who's dependable, trustworthy, honest, who will speak truth to us, who, who will help us to grow. In an ideal world, you'll have someone like that, who is organic and natural, that friendship. But in life, let's be honest, it's not as simple and straightforward, is it? Everyone, including myself, we're all so complicated. <laughs> we're all complex and relationships are complicated. We live in a world, too, where the, everyone is so mobile, right? We, we want to invest in deep relationships where people move cities and then move countries. People are consumed um, by their career, by, by love, by ambition. People don't have time to, to invest in deep friendships like Proverbs tells us. Sometimes, most of the times, it's, it's us. We're the problem for why we don't have real friends, true friends. Because we find it hard to give people time. To be, we find it hard to be transparent and vulnerable. We find it hard to share our deepest feelings. We struggle with that, don't we? There's so many obstacles, right, to, to finding this type of, of deep, wise friendships that Proverbs tells us, especially in our culture, in our lives today. Where can we start, though? Where can we find the answer? Let's start with Jesus. I really want to encourage us to start with the gospel. There's a passage in the, in the book of John, chapter 15, where Jesus is with his disciples the night before he goes to his death on the cross. And he says to them in John 15, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. See, Jesus lets them in. He's made God known to them. He serves them. He lays down his life for them. He lays down his life for us on the cross. His friendship is one of love. And you see at that moment, Jesus shows us that friendship with God, uh, that, that our relationship with God is, is one of friendship. He shows us what a true friend looked like. His death is one of sacrifice, one where he loves us at all times. Dependable. He takes the cost of our sin upon himself so we won't go to ruin. His actions aren't to wound us, but to heal us. And he does that by taking out the punishment reserved for us. He is the ultimate friend, Jesus. He, on the cross, took our sin and through that became uh, unwanted. He became distant from God so that we could become close to God. Jesus lost friendship with God so that you and I could have friendship with God. Do you get that? Now, tell me who is a friend like that to you. Jesus is the perfect friend who invites you in, gives you a seat at the table, and allows you to enter into the presence of God through sacrificing his own very life for us. Isn't that wonderful? God's amazing grace shown through the friendship of Jesus. If we truly understand then that, if we truly understand the gospel, if you're a Christian here, you understand that friendship you have, doesn't that transform the way you see friendships in this life then? When you have Jesus, you don't need to, you don't need to fear rejection. Uh, the rejection of trying to make new friends. You, you don't need to fear shame when you share honestly about your sin, your struggles. You can reach out to others and work at investing into new friendships that, that's honest and deep and transparent, dependable, one that sharpens one another because you're liberated. You're liberated to be a great friend to others because you have the great friendship in Jesus. And believe it or not, when you start becoming a great friend to others, you'll find you also have great friends that the, heart, the friends that your heart needs. Not only that, through Jesus and the church, 
you can find friends that will share something that goes far deeper than your common interests, your favorite sport, what you're watching on TV, you know, whatever hobby it might be. You have a deep connection with others through your bond in Jesus. Regardless of their class, their profession, their wealth, their status, their race, their looks, their family, their history, you can have a deep, loving friendship with someone who shares the same faith. Because together in friendship, you're walking in the same direction in life to see God glorified and your faith lived out. You know, sometimes I look around the room in Providence, our church, I'm like, wow, I would not be friends with you if not for Jesus. <laughs> we have nothing in common, but I love you still. And I want to walk with you and I want to share my life with you. You know, I want to encourage you. Let me encourage you. If that's something you feel is missing in your life, reach out to others. Invest in relationships with your church family, people here. It might work. It might not work. And don't be too down if it doesn't. Let it be organic in one sense. Don't force it. But you need to at least try with making time and being intentional when investing with investing in friendships. God desires it for us. I want to finish with this illustration. I heard this from uh, Pastor Tim Keller. I found it so helpful, so I'm going to retell it in my own words. Uh, it's about the monster Frankenstein. You guys know the monster Frankenstein. Uh, he's a creature that's created in a lab from a mad scientist whose name is Frankenstein, so the monster is the monster of Frankenstein. He's stitched together, isn't he? If you know Frankenstein, he's stitched together, formed from bits and pieces from other human people's bodies, and is brought to life in a lab. Now, there's a scene in the old 1930s movie, Bride of Frankenstein, and I found this on YouTube, and I watched it uh, just to, to understand what's going on. Frankenstein, he's, in the, he's wandering through the woods, and he comes across this cottage where a, a hermit lives, this old, lonely, blind man. This, this old, blind man um, hears this rustle outside, and, and he goes, who's there? Frankenstein comes through the door, and this, at the time, this blind man, he's praying, oh, God, bring me a friend. Bring me a friend to, to, to comfort me in my terrible loneliness. And Frankenstein shows up. Frankenstein can't speak. He's moaning, groaning. But the blind man can't see what he looks like. So the blind man realizes, oh, this guy's got an affliction. He can't talk. You can't speak? Let me take care of you. Come, in, come on in. Come, in. come in and eat. Eat this food that I've prepared. Lie down. Rest. You need to rest. Let's take care of each other. The blind man is so friendly, so kind to this monster. And it's so beautiful because this monster has never experienced and received this kind of friendship before. And what you see in this film is as this blind man continues to praise and thank God for this new friend and love this monster, there's this tear that trickles down Frankenstein's face. And we see the monster humanize. He starts talking, starts saying words like good and friend, good friend, good friend. And you see this transformation. And you, and you watch this, and isn't that a bit like our story with Jesus? Aren't we the Frankenstein monster? I know I am, stitched together, made up of, of people's opinions about us, formed by our experiences that were shaped by our, our family, by our friends and our peers. That's who I am. I'm a culmination of what people have said about me and formed by the people around me. But then I met Jesus. We need the ultimate friend in Jesus, whose love will make us more human, as God designed, unashamed of who we are, secure and able to be selfless and loving to others. He is the friend our heart needs and the one our hearts are searching for. We don't have to be another loneliness statistic. But when we know his love and his friendship, 
then we can ourselves be free, free to move towards others in love and in deep, selfless, giving friendships the way God designed for us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus, that he is our true and greatest friend. We thank you, Lord, that he reached down in friendship so that we could um, become friends with you and know God and have a relationship with you so that we could know the greatest security and freedom that comes from knowing you. I do thank you, Lord, that, uh, yeah, that, that through his uh, sacrifice on the cross, uh, he gave up his life so that we could, we could know you and know, uh, know what an what honest, uh, honest friend and a dependable friend, uh, a good friend like Jesus is. We pray with that knowledge, Lord, and, and uh, that your spirit will convict our hearts and move our hearts to be people who uh, are secure in who we are, knowing that we're, we're loved by you, but be people who are going to reach out to others as well in love. Help us to be a people, Lord, who, who care about deep, good friendships, who, who want to be there for others around us and, and want to walk side by side, pointing each other uh, to the goodness of Christ in our lives, the, the thing that ultimately matters, that's going to matter into eternity as well. Help us to be good friends to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.